Thank you so much. Turn your Bibles to the New Testament book of Matthew, the first one, Matthew chapter 6. I am continuing my mini-series through about the subject of prayer, and Lord, I will inclusion of that mini-series, so I trust it will be helpful and blessing to you. Matthew chapter 6, we'll be turning to several other passages, but I'll call them as we come to them. You can write them down, look them up, whatever, I'll read them to you. This morning, the title of our lesson this morning is The Greatest Sin in America Today. The Greatest Sin in America Today. When I say that, many things run through your mind, I'm sure. The greatest sin in America today is not homosexuality. It's not the, the, uh, the dirty magazines people are looking at and reading. It's not the adultery or the fornication and the other awful, terrible sins that are going on. And they are. We know that. And we see that's terrible that it is. But the greatest sin in America, and that's where you live, by the way, we are not in Germany, we're not in Switzerland, we're in America. The greatest sin in America is prayerlessness committed by people who say that Christ is personal Savior. The Bible would use the word, we would use the word saved. You could use the word Christian because it is biblical. But anymore, the word Christian has not been what it really used to be, you know, Christian as opposed to whatever else. In the Bible, Christian is a good word. We read in the book of Acts, they were called Christians first at Antioch. And they were called that because they were acting like Christ. Hence, Christian, like Christ. And so it's a good word, it's a biblical word, but the world has kind of trained it around, haven't they? Everybody's a Christian, yeah, right. <clears throat> The world certainly this morning, as we understand it at large, is going to hell because of sin. And the only thing that could drive back the wave of sin and save America is revival. Revival can only come through God's people. In Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, My people, first three words, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. We know the verse, but revival only comes through God's people. But it can't, can't come through God's people until they get right with him and back to prayer. We're so busy today, we don't have time. Really? It's, it's interesting when people have a big problem, all of a sudden they find time to pray. As long as everything's going okay. It's not that we're thumbing our nose at God, but we just don't see the need, so to speak. Our whole condition is dependent upon prayer. Now in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, an interesting verse. Now remember, this is Jesus' sermon on the mount. He's on a mountain. He's, he's preaching. And he's, he's, he's speaking in three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. I wonder, I often wonder how long it would take him to do that. People in America can hardly stay in 30 minutes and need a commercial. So I imagine, you know, he was talking normal speed, but still, three chapters as we would look at them. <clears throat> look what he said in verse 6 of chapter 6. This is Jesus talking. Notice the first word, it's very critical. When, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. <clears throat> now notice something about this verse. When Jesus says, when thou prayest, he does not say, you ought to pray. 
There are other verses that tell us that. We understand that. But here he didn't say that. I believe he took it for granted that every child of God prays. So it's not if you might, it's when you do pray. And remember, he's talking to his disciples. Of all people, they should be people of prayer. And we're his disciples. These guys are all gone. So we should be people of prayer. He says, enter in your closet. Now, obviously, he didn't mean to go in your bedroom. Use <clears throat> a little common sense. With Some people don't have it. I think common sense is on, the, is on the decline in America. Thank you. That's right. I got three head shakes, two smiles. It's just true. It's just plain old common sense. He's not talking about going in the closet in your bedroom. He's talking about privacy by yourself. Now, if you do go in the closet in your bedroom, you're probably in there by yourself. Unless you have a big walk-in closet. And then, you know, most closets aren't enough for two people. But the idea is to be in there by yourself with nobody else so you can, you can pray. Sometimes people say, well, I pray while I'm driving down the highway. I used to do that, but I don't anymore because I've got to watch the road. People say, well, you know, when I wash my dishes, with dishwashers, who washes dishes? Unless you're like that stupid commercial, that little girl says, my mom rinses all the dishes before she puts them in the dishwasher. What does the dishwasher do? Now, that's a golden commercial. <clears throat> well, I pray when I wash the dishes and sweep the floors. Now, that's all the praying we do. I'm not saying that's wrong. But if that's all the praying we'll do, we'll never see really revival. We're talking about prayer. He said, enter into thy closet when thou shut thy door. Pray to thy father which is in secret. Why? Because prayer demands concentration. You know, and God knows, and others know, if you're really praying with concentration and really putting your mind, heart, and soul into it, you're just saying a bunch of words. I've been around long enough now, been saved many years. I've heard people praying. I'm thinking to myself, that guy's a gas bag. I never say it out loud. <laughs> He's just saying a bunch of words, and he's trying to impress people. And it's really not, he's not concentrating on what he's saying. Sometimes these guys pray all these words, I'm thinking, what did that guy say? Prayer is heartfelt, but it also needs to be, we need to concentrate on what we're praying about. That's what he's saying, I believe. That's the concept. It demands concentration, great concentration. So it's impossible for us to concentrate on God and those things that are so high and holy well, we got other things on our mind, unless we're alone in solitude. You know, we don't have enough solitude today. You read the Bible, even the Old Testament in particular, it says that David went out at eventide, that's not the end of the verse, to meditate. Let me qualify that for America 2021. We're not talking about TM or transcendental meditation. We're talking about, what did he meditate on? God. He didn't have the whole Bible. He was, we don't have time for that. We've got to watch 6 o'clock news to, hit, to learn the greatest news about the COVID. And someone smartly said, and I think there's some truth in it, well, it was a new strain. And somebody said intelligently, yeah, it's called the flu. <laughs> anyway, we've got to see what's going on. What's going on in the state? What's going on in the country? Really? Not that that's bad. No, I don't watch the news. I do watch the news, but I don't watch it in the morning and then and noon and at night because it's the same garbage. And they're so, they always bring the negative stuff. You ever hear a positive thing on the news? Oh, things are going great. Uh, it's always the negative stuff. 
we get that enough by living in the world, don't we? Just going to work and by going to Walmart and living our life, we get enough bad news. <clears throat> we must take time to pray. If you claim you know Christ as Savior, and I believe the majority, if not all of you do, then we, need, we must take time to pray above everything else. Let me encourage you to check yourself, not to report to me, to report to yourself. Check it out this week, the actual amount of time you spend in prayer. Every week on my cell phone, now not everybody has a cell phone, I understand that. Not everybody has a smartphone, I understand that. There's people like me who have a star smartphone, but we're dumb. At least on some of the things, I could do some of the stuff, but not all of it. Every Sunday morning, as I'm going over my message, I do that on Sunday mornings. My cell phone goes off. And you know what it is? It's a report of how much time I spend on it this week. So let me encourage you, if you have a cell phone, if you get that little report, it might be convicting. You spend X, they put the minutes, the hour, everything. It's like, I didn't ask for that. I don't know that I want it, but every Sunday morning, I'm going to my message, all of a sudden I hear this, beep. I go, now who's calling me? Now who's, who's not going to be at church? Who's quitting or what's? Who's not going to be in your class now? What do I do? Call Pastor Reisland. <laughs> but it says that even this morning, went off again. And I said, ah, I know what that is. Sure enough, told me how much time I spent last week on my phone. Now, to be fair, some people use their phone for their work. I understand that, and so do you. And personal, it's not, it's not bad or wrong or sinful. But it's just a benchmark to say, wait a minute, I spent that much time on my phone every day? It's a daily total. I, didn't, I talked to God five minutes at breakfast. So this is food for thought to check up on yourself. You can report to yourself. You don't have to report to anybody else. Every Sunday it makes me think about I think about that. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. You need to think about it. Now, I love it when it says it's down. Your time and phone was down this week. I said, oh, good. <laughs> and some people have to have their phone totally for the job. We understand all that. People with common sense. And I'm assuming all you have it. We understand that. Some people have to have their phone for their job. <clears throat> so take it in context. But we must take time to pray. We wonder why souls are lost. We wonder why we don't have power to win souls. We wonder why sin conquers us. As believers, we wonder why the devil defeats us. We wonder why the inrush of sin and iniquity is everywhere. Perhaps we're not paying the price for prayer. How much do you pray? Don't point to someone else and say, well, this guy, I know he spends time in prayer. Good. What about you? The secret of power is coming from prayer. It's not from a book, unless it's probably from this book, the Bible. It's not from a book. It's not from a video. It's not from a web webinar on your phone. It's from prayer. That's why I said, when you pray, enter into your closet. Nobody knows. Nobody hears but you and God. That's beautiful. Many times didn't end what Jesus did. It says even he rose up a while before day. I don't like that part of the verse. I don't know what, I never calculated what time it was because I didn't want to be convicted. But it says he rose up a great while before day. I assume daylight. He rose up a great while before day and went out to pray. And he went to pray by himself. Even remember when he took the, the big three, I call them the big, the big three disciples, 
He took them with him when he said, you, these are my words. Now you boys stay over here. I'm going to go over here and pray and I'll come back. And when he came back, they were, what? Now they weren't praying, they were sawing logs. They were sleeping. So again, same thing. So he many times prayed solitary by himself. Now there are places for public prayer, certainly. We understand family prayer and all those things. But we're talking about, Jesus said, you know, when you pray, go to your closet. Just talk to you and God. And then when God answers a prayer, guess who rejoices the most? Because nobody else knows. I shouldn't say nobody. Well, nobody always knows. Maybe I should put it that way. So you say, wow, God entered this person. is great. People go to the altar. They make, they make decisions on their knees. That's a good thing. But if we don't go back to prayer, that decision won't last. Listen, we'll never change ourselves. All of us need to be changed. We know if we're honest this morning, we need to be changed. That's why the Bible says he's conforming us to the image of Christ. So we all need to be changed to be better, to be better Christians, better servants. I would raise my hand for all of us this morning. We all need, we all could improve. The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. So we need to be changed. Our homes need to be changed. I don't mean the color of the outside of your house. Our homes, God knows our homes need to be changed, certainly in America. And God knows our churches need to be changed made better, and that our churches need revival. Churches that preach the word of God, if they don't preach the word of God, they're already gone. We've got a lot of those around too. But all these things will never change unless we have prayer for these things. And we have to pay the price before, of prayer before God. The price might be getting up earlier, like Jesus did, maybe. Or maybe just sacrificing some time that you would do something else to spend time in prayer. I believe, again, the greatest sin is committed by believing Christians who have been born of the Spirit of God but are not giving themselves to prayer. You know, before you were saved, you didn't need, God's not going to hear your prayer until you trust Him as Savior. <clears throat> and so, really, now that you are saved, you have the real opportunity, we have the real opportunity of prayer that we didn't have before. We have access to him we didn't have before. He, Paul said in Hebrews, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. Let me say this, not brashly. You don't tell God what to do. He tells us what to do. Let us come boldly, notice with confidence. Let's come boldly into the throne of grace. That's prayer. That we may find help in time of need. Now, I'm looking at adult, intelligent people in our adult class. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Probably all of us, like at least one time this week, you needed help. If you didn't, tomorrow's coming, and you might need twice as much next week. Plus, it's supposed to snow tomorrow. I looked at it, I said, praise God, it's not Sunday. And he said, oh, preacher, I have to get up and go to work, too. I'll be here tomorrow morning. So don't say, well, preacher, I have to get up and go to work. Yes, I do. I'll be here. And if it snows, you know what you have to do? Get up earlier and clean the car off. Well, in my case, I have to because honey's car, honey's car's in the garage. <laughs> Maybe I could change that, but I don't think so. <clears throat> I told her the last time, this car's going to last you 20 years. 
So far it's 11, 9 to go. 9 to go, honey. Abraham's prayer saved Lot from destruction in Sodom. You may know the story. You may remember the story. You may not. If you read your Bible through every year, you will read the story once again about Abraham. In the simplest terms, God said he was going to destroy the city for their wickedness. By the way, some of the wickedness things we just said at the beginning. And Abraham basically prayed to God, and I'm condensing it. Abraham prayed to God, so God, if we have 50 people, would you spare it? God says, okay. And he kept going lower and lower. So how about 40, 30, 20? How about 10? If, I can find, if you can find 10 righteous people in the city, will you not destroy it? This is Abraham talking to God. Talking to God is prayer in the simplest form. And so God said, okay. Well, can you think about that for a minute? <clears throat> Abraham is talking to God, and God's answering him. Now, I wish, wish I'd get some audible answers. Of course, I'd probably be scared to death. But anyway, that's what's going on. He didn't have the completed Bible. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. But th this is one example. <clears throat> we think sometimes, well, Abraham, he was a, not like a normal guy. He was, he was, we put him up here. Abraham was just like me and you. I don't know if he wore pants like this. I don't think he did. But if he did, he put one leg on the other, just like I do and you do. He was a guy. He was a man. He was subject, subject to temptations like we are. The only person who didn't commit sin who was subject to temptations was the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was subject to temptation, but he didn't sin. That's why he's a Savior. At any rate, <clears throat> these men, we think they were normal, but they were. They were normal. God's word reminds us they were men subject to like passions again. The difference is they rose above that in matter of prayer. We're talking about prayer. I like to think of Abraham as a man of intercession. Once so right for God, with God, he could pray for somebody else. You know, one of our problems is we have to spend so much time praying on ourselves and getting ourselves right. We don't have the time to pray for others. If you go back and look at Abraham carefully, you'll find he prayed for others. You know why he could? Because he knew he was right. Not self-righteous about it. And so we need to think about that <clears throat> just a little bit. By the way, if you pray regularly, you don't have to confess all your sins for the last week on Saturday night. And just say, oh, God, forgive me all my sins. That's not, that's not really the best prayer you could pray. Now, I'm going to read from Genesis 18. You can turn there, or if I'll read these verses to you. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 23. This is a biblical account where Abraham prayed. Do you know what? I think we're going to skip it because I already told you the story. Why read it again? You can check me out on my facts and figures. Genesis 18, beginning verse 23, <clears throat> and on to about 32. I just told you the story. But then at the end of that, then comes the greatest statement that we read in the Word of God. In verse 33, Genesis 18, 33. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his, unto his place. I want you to read that verse later and think about it. 
There was a place that God came down to Abraham, and Abraham came to that place, and they talked, communicated. Go back and read it again. It's pretty interesting. And so we think of the hope of our country is not at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No matter who's there, the guy before him or the guy that's there now, that's not the answer. The answer is revival, Christ, and the Word of God. That's the answer. And prayer. You know, we at one time were a nation of prayer. More so than we are now. But we don't need prayer. We got, we got everything we need. We do. The greatest thing we need is God. And that's the bottom of the list of every, about everybody, isn't it? It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Our greatest need is him, but we don't want him. We don't want him in our schools. Things are going well at the public school, aren't they? I'm being smart, Alec. Things are going well, people's homes and lives, without God. No, it's not. But if you tell people it's, it, we need the Bible, they look at you like you're nut. I always say, well, at least I'm screwed in the right bolt. They get some quick quick return to them, you know. <clears throat> our answer is not in building our military, although we're, we certainly would be for that to have a strong nation and peace through strength. We believe in that. But that's really not the answer. <clears throat> we we do everything but what the right thing is. Then later on, I'm trying to cut through some of this stuff. I'm watching the clock. <clears throat> then later on, remember when, when God was talking to Abram, and Abram had prayed, and I'm paraphrasing again, that, that Lot would be spared from this, that was his nephew. Spared from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because you know what? They didn't find ten people. I often thought, what about, what about him and his wife and his family? Surely that would have been ten. Next. <clears throat> Food for thought. So if you go back and check it out, Abraham did that and he prayed. And then the angels, as you may remember or may not remember, the angels came to Sodom to destroy it. God said, okay, destroy that place. So they took off to destroy the place. Then they, they kind of halted. In Genesis 19, verse 13, God said to him, Haste thee, escape hither, for I cannot do anything till thou come hither. In other words, until Lot got out of the city, God was not going to destroy it. Now who prayed that God would spare Lot? His uncle, Abe, Rahim. <laughs> and so now his, his nephew, by the way, as you may remember, or may not. I'm trying to think of a nice word to call him. He was a rascal. He wasn't a good nephew. If you go back and read their story. But his uncle loved him anyway. If you only pray for people that you like, that's not good. You have to pray for some you don't like. Or some you don't agree with. His nephew wasn't, wasn't a nice person. And yet Abraham prayed for him and... And the angel stops from destroying the place because he was answering Abraham's prayer. I never saw that before. Pretty amazing. We're talking about prayer. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? The angel said, well, we can't do this until Lot gets out of here. Let's get him out of here. And you know the story again, or you may not. They had to drag him out. He wouldn't leave. You know why he had so much of the world in him? When he first came there, the Bible says Lot 
pitched his tent toward Sodom. He didn't move in full blast the first day downtown, downtown Sodom on 1st Street. He pitched his tent that way. That means he was looking that direction. He was already gone. Really, he was already gone. It was just a matter of time. No wonder the Bible tells us in 1st John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you pitch your tent towards Sodom, which is a type or picture of the world, you're going to eventually end up over there. And though he didn't start there, that's where he ended up, didn't he? Good thing he had his uncle to pray for him. There may be some of you sitting here today that cannot talk anymore to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your loved one, to your friends. You've talked to them until you can talk some more. And by the way, I think there's some truth in that. Every time you see them, you don't have to preach at them. As a matter of fact, you're going to turn them away. Make sure you've explained the gospel and told them you love them, you're praying for them, but you don't have to get on them every time you see them. They're going to get mad at you, and it creates a problem. But you know what? They can't get beyond your prayers. Nobody can stop your prayers, only you. God can change their heart. I think of my own family of people that were saved, and I prayed for them to be saved over time, and they were. I don't think it's just my prayer, but it's pretty cool, especially if you're in the closet. Now, Lord, save this person, save that person, and he does. All right. This is great. The Bible says you have rejoicing in himself alone. So the point is, the reason why we pray, because we can't do anything. <clears throat> have you ever tried to convince somebody that they need to be saved? Sure, we've all tried it. It don't work. The Spirit of God has to speak to their heart. How does he do that in relation to prayer? God, speak to their heart. And so... <clears throat> Abraham, let's go on to another one. <clears throat> I got more material. I could go on till noon, but I think you probably won't like it. It also says in verse 29 that it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. Now, it was not Lot who saved himself. It was Abraham's prayer. That person that you may influence, it may be not them, it's your prayer for them. Again, they can't stop your prayers. You can't hide from somebody's prayers. And so we're talking about <clears throat> the sin of prayerlessness. And the God of Abraham is not dead. God is not a man that he should lie, and God is the Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirteen, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God did for Abraham, he can do it for us. He's no respecter of persons. He will keep his word. But we need to understand that Abraham was a man of prayer. Well, I'm going to pray this little prayer twice, and if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to be mad. You're going to be mad a lot of times. I'm not sure I've ever prayed a prayer. Well, I'm sure I have, but they were minor by that I mean a parking place. Those are serious prayers if you can't find one. There's never a place at Walmart. What's with that place? Unless you were to park at the end of the parking lot. You say, well, you need the exercise. That's what my doctor says. Or whatever. 
But by and large, we pray about stuff that doesn't happen immediately. We want it to happen. We want God to happen immediately. I mean, not tomorrow. I mean, now. It usually doesn't work that way. Remember, God's inhabits eternity. We don't. A day with Him is with a, a thousand years. Not to me, a thousand years. I can't even begin to think about that. <clears throat> Abraham also, if you follow his life, he lived a holy life. I don't think he was holier than thou. We certainly don't need that. But Abraham was a holy man. He lived a holy life. And you combine that with his prayer, it's powerful. We've talked about reasons why God doesn't answer prayer, so I'm not going to go there today. We've already talked about it. But where men's hearts and women, their hearts are clean and right with God, and we come and claim those promises, God has to do something he cannot lie. I think of the prayers of Moses that saved Israel from destruction. Now, there's never been a man like Moses. The Bible even says of him, he was a very meek man. Meekest man on the earth. Now, meekness is not weakness. But he was meek, and God said he was meek. Perhaps Moses was one of the, certainly one of the greatest men of all time. In the Bible, his name is mentioned over 700 times. 700. I think mine's only in there once. It's not referring to me. When his name is mentioned, it's him. It's the. It's, he's talking about Abraham of the Old Testament. He's not talking of somebody that has the same name. 700 times in the Bible? Wow, talk about prominence. <clears throat> On two different occasions, Abraham prayed and fasted 40 days and nights. <clears throat> now, let's face it, who wants to fast one day? Humanly speaking. Some of you are thinking about lunch right now. You're thinking, oh boy, I'm hungry. I want to eat some lunch. Yeah, it'll get here eventually. But you won't die. You know the expression, oh, I'm starving to death. That's not true. <clears throat> Your kids say that. The husband says that. They're not starving to death. They're going to survive. But Abraham, as recorded in the Bible, fasted at least two different times, 40 days and nights. I can't even begin to imagine that. That's right. No, I don't know what it's like to fast 40. No, I don't need as much as I used to, but I don't think I could fast 40 days and 40 nights. No wonder Abraham, no wonder God talked to him directly. No wonder God answered his prayer. What a man of God, what a man of prayer. No wonder he brought miracles to pass, living close to the Lord. He did great things for the Lord, and through the Lord much was accomplished through Abraham's prayers. So many times in our lives we see so little that's really God. We can say, see, the, 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 one of the purposes of prayer is to bring glory to God. When God saves someone that we're praying for, it's not that we, we didn't do it. We didn't save them. We rejoice, we're happy, it's great. But he saved them. So the glory and the praise goes to him. When God answers that prayer, meets that need, whatever it is, whatever you're praying about, and God does it, you're happy about it, of course. Thanks for the money, Lord. <laughs> Thanks for whatever. You get the benefit, but he gets the glory because he answered prayer, and he did it. You need to think about this just a little bit. <clears throat> when we have revival, we see miracles. You know, in years gone by, we have had some revival times in our nation as a whole. Well, we desperately need it now. You know what happens when we have real revival? 
We have more churches than bars. Maslin has more bars than churches. Maslin's 31,000 people. That's not a very big city. And unfortunately, with the COVID, we're getting less and less churches and less and less people coming, aren't we? Our greatest need is the, is the church, the Word of God. I'm not saying just forget everything about COVID. <clears throat> I got my mask. I got my sanitizer in my pocket. I got it in my car. I got it in my office. You know, I believe in all stuff. But our greatest need is not, it's Christ and the Word. The bars would close down. People would change. When the Holy Spirit really comes, we'll see miracles, I think, take place. And God's doing them, and God gets the credit for it and the thanks of the praise. Unfortunately, churches many times are not revived like they ought to be because God's people are jealous one of another. <clears throat> oh, well, think about it a minute. Wanting what somebody else has, really, sometimes it's better to want than, than to get it. I had a friend once, well, I've had more, anyway, I had years ago, and he thought he wanted this other guy's wife. And he got her. And you know what? In three words, it wasn't good. He should have just kept his mouth shut, kept his eyes going another direction. Jealous. Now, that's pretty extreme. I understand that. But we're jealous of somebody else, whatever, things they have, things they do, whatever. Really? Every good gift comes from above. With the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So sometimes people are jealous of somebody else's blessings. Really. Some guy gets whatever, and you can't say, praise the Lord, I'm glad for you, brother. You needed that. Whatever it would be. Sometimes we fight each other. The Bible, the New Testament, has much to say about these things. That's not the message today. It talks about Christians fighting each other. Why? We need to be fighting the devil. Talking about one another. The only place you should be talking about others is to God in prayer. Go to your closet. All kinds of sins are in the way, and all that mess will go away when we have real, genuine, sincere, heartfelt prayer. And I'm not suggesting this morning that we don't have any of that. That's not what I'm saying. I think we need to be challenged to have more or genuine prayer or really make the sacrifice to make it happen. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain receiving from God the Ten Commandments? And God actually wrote them out for him. And while Moses was up there, his wonderful brother, I say that tongue-in-cheek, Aaron is taking gold from the people and making a golden calf for the people to worship and say, these be that gods, Israel, watch out Egypt. <clears throat> now, what's wrong with this picture? We look at that, we think, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with us today? <clears throat> and God says to him in Exodus 32 and verse 7, God said to Moses, the meekest man that ever lived, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereto. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Who are these people? God's people. 
Do we have a stiff neck? I don't mean you got up on the wrong side of the bed and your neck is stiff. The spiritual things, are we stiff-necked? <clears throat> now, therefore, let me loathe them, my wrath may wax hot upon them, excuse me, against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Exodus 32, 7 through 10. Would you allow me to paraphrase this? God's telling Moses, you know what? Those people are messing around down there where you're up there talking to me, get Ten Commandments. You know what? I'm going to kill them all. And I'm going, to, I'm going to use you, make a great nation out of you. What did Moses do? Good, the plan is working. No. He prayed. And he, asked, he basically asked God, don't do that, please. Isn't that what happened? That's exactly what happened. And you know what God said? Okay. Think of the magnitude of this. Of this. It's recorded in the Bible for us so we can have it. <clears throat> God was talking to a human being. Think of that for a minute. And the conversation is going back and forth. I can't even begin to imagine it. To a man who's like you and I, and here he is talking to him, and he listens to him. It's funny. God asked us to repent. Now God's asking Moses. Mo, excuse me. Moses is asking. God asked us to repent. Now a man is asking God to repent or to change his mind. That's what repentance means, change your mind. Can you imagine that? Now, we've all had the experience of trying to change people's mind. It doesn't always work, does it? Someone said a man persuaded against his will is of the same opinion still. But here's, here's poor Moses, a meek man, humble man, a moral man. Talking to Almighty God. They said, God, would you please change your mind? The Bible used the word repent. And God did. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of blows my mind. That's exactly what happened and the way it happened. <clears throat> God respects the one who would turn his back on the world and go all for him. That's what Moses, Abraham did, and many others. And spend time in prayer. You see, then Moses just didn't start praying when this situation came up, like we do. We wait till some problem comes, then we start praying. He had been praying all along. A challenge and an example to us. I think of Daniel, also in the Old Testament. Remember, these men did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the completed Bible, like you and I do. And many times we pray, we don't stay with it. Daniel did, he prayed. He prayed morning, noon, and night. We, you may remember that story. And he continued to pray. And even when they passed a law and said, you can't pray anymore. Go back and read the story in the book of Daniel. He, did, he went back to his house, did the same thing he'd been doing all along. I wonder if that would happen to America. And I pray it doesn't. But you know what? <clears throat> in simple words, we're not going the right direction. Spiritually, I wonder if we'd be like Daniel. I like what I did see on my phone this week. It said, if you have a king like Nebuchadnezzar, be a Daniel. That'll preach. Then you went home and prayed anyway. And you know the story. Or you may remember when he was thrown to the lens of lions and God. And don't you think that boy prayed when he got the den of lions? 
Is the Pope Catholic? Of course he prayed. If you were in the den of lions, you'd be praying also. And God answered his prayer because, the, listen, this is a true story. I mean, there are so many other examples, I think, of, of Ezra in the Old Testament. Uh, in, in Ezra chapter 9, he was a priest, and he was learning of the sins of the people, of course, their sins against God, and he prayed that God would, would help and work and send revival, and you know what? He did. The people repented of all their stuff, and they, they got things right. You say, well, these guys are all preachers. What about the fellow named Nehemiah? Do you know Nehemiah in the Old Testament? He was not a preacher. He was a layman, if we, to use our words. He worked for the king. The Bible says he was a cupbearer. I don't know if he was a pearl diver, as we would call him today. I mean, you wash dishes. Or suds buster. I don't know if he was that. He was a cupbearer. So maybe he, one thing he, I know one thing he did, he would check the king drink, so if he got poisoned, he would die instead of the king. I know that. But he was just a guy working at the palace. And again, as you may or may not remember the story, one day he he hears the word about his hometown all messed up, the walls are broken down. There's all kinds of problems. And you know what the problem stemmed from? Not putting God first. And so Nehemiah is kind of bummed out. <clears throat> so he goes to work. He brings the, he brings the king his Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And the king says, hey, what's wrong with you today? Why are you so sad? He says, well, and I'm paraphrasing again. My hometown's all messed up. It's torn the walls, torn down. The city's a mess. It's terrible. Listen to what happened. And he said, I want to go. And the king said, I'm going to let you go. Wait a minute. Not only am I going to let you go from your job, you can do what you need to do. And they said, you know what? I'm going to supply all the supplies you need. Talk about God answering his prayer. If you read the whole story, and I know I'm kind of putting it close together, but God, I think, went beyond what he asked. The king, I'll give you all the materials you need. Hey, you think Nehemiah might have been just a little bit happy? And you know, again, this Nehemiah did go back, and he did rebuild the walls. He also found the altar, if you will, he got that out, cleaned it up, so when he started worshiping God, but he didn't get right with God. That was really the need. So here was one man, Nehemiah. And by the way, he did have some opposition along the way as he was trying to do this job and accomplish this thing. God helped him through that. But he was successful in what he was trying to do. So the, the point is this morning that we, we need to be challenged Remember when the preacher said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you? You read that verse? Wow. So, no, I take that verse personally. When people say, would you pray about this, Pastor? I write it down. I don't say, yeah, I'll pray about it. Yeah, right. If I write it down, I got you. Because part of my job, I believe, I don't like the words of your job. It's a calling. Because the Bible says, no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God. So it's not really a job. You don't choose to be, you don't choose it, but 
it's important for us to, to write these things down and pray about these things. And sometimes when souls are saved, when cities are won, things happen, revival comes. These things, behind the, behind the scene, somebody's been praying. Now, I don't have any more special powers than you. I wish I did. Wrong church. <laughs> that guy doesn't either. He didn't have more power than me. I'm a man. Like Nehemiah was a man. Ezra was a man. Abraham was a man. Moses was a man. <clears throat> ladies will include you too. Looks like we got more ladies in here than men. I better say something or I'm going to be in trouble. We do have more ladies than men. <clears throat> and so we need to continue in this matter of prayer, be challenged in this matter of prayer, and not sin, even though we should not sin in ceasing to pray for others. Whatever the need may be, salvation our nation, for our leaders. The Bible says of our leaders we should pray for them that we might live in peace. Do you read that verse? Well, I don't like them. I don't like some of them either. Matter of fact, I don't like some of the stuff they stand for. It didn't say that in the verse, though. That's not in parentheses. Except if you don't like them or you don't like what they're doing. It says pray for them that you might live in peace. That's what the book says. For kings, those in authority... So we need to pray for them. Maybe some of our failure in times past as a nation, we haven't prayed for our leaders as we should. And then pick up the phone and call them. Or send them a letter. I've sent them letters. I've called them. Hey. Especially around October, November, they all get nervous, don't they? Because <laughs> they don't want to get taken out of office. At any rate, Don't be guilty of this sin. We don't think of not praying as a sin, but you know it really is. So we need to think about that. Be challenged for the matter of prayer. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed, nice closed for just a moment. Father, speak to our hearts and challenge us, each one, in this matter of not sitting and praying like we should. Help us to aspire to do better, to spend more time and quality time and time alone with you. We realize there are other times of prayer when others may be around, but help us to spend that time with you, talking to you, no one else. A challenge, Lord, you would challenge us through your word, through these few examples this morning and others in the Bible, to especially as adults, to be people of prayer and to be that example to our children, our families, and people at the church in the right kind of way. Speak to everyone. Speak to that one who needs to pray the prayer to receive Christ as their Savior. I'm sure there are people in this class that are praying for people to be saved. Their family, people they know, I pray that you would enter their prayer in Jesus' name. With the piano playing, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for just a moment. Well, we wait just a minute. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to prayer. And I know this is February, it's not January, but it's still early in the year. Commit yourself to be a person of prayer and then actually do it. And when the devil tries to sidetrack you, don't let him do it. Could be 